Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torby. And I'm Pete Torby. We have to have accessible websites, accessible portals, and I believe if somebody has the training, and you'll agree with me, Peter, we can be outstanding employees, but the websites have to be accessible. And too often, the sighted community does not know what does that mean. And today we'll be talking with someone who has made her career into being a real advocate for such accessibility in all realms. Virginia Jacko is president and CEO of the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and is responsible for an organization that runs many programs of benefit to people with vision loss. But she is also a very vocal advocate for equal access to everything. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Virginia Jacko. You know, people may have a lighthouse in their community. Helen Keller liked House of Light. Then the New York Lighthouse was founded, the Chicago Lighthouse, the Miami Lighthouse. While we are all separate corporations, not affiliated with each other, but if somebody has in their community an entity that is called Lighthouse, it is transformational to get the services that we all provide. Those can be excellent resources for people who are experiencing some kind of vision issues, for sure. I think that the people we serve, parents in the academy, Peter, look at what academically you have achieved. And that gives hope for the parents of our visually impaired children. So I applaud you for your amazing accomplishments. And that's why I say a blind person can do anything a sighted person does. They just might do it a little differently. And that's what you and I do. Yes, yes. And that's why you do what you do. And that's why we do this show, to show what is possible and give people hope that they can really do these things. Like you said, you just do them a little bit differently. It may be a little bit more of a challenge, but these things can be done. It's possible to see without sight. Oh, absolutely. I love that. <laughs> Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Virginia. I am Virginia Jacko, President and CEO of Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and president of our two subsidiaries, our statewide Florida Hiken Children's Vision Program, and president of our Miami Lighthouse Academy. Well, that must keep you busy. 
we have a team that works very hard. And yet, Charity Navigator ranks us among the top nonprofits, the top 1% for efficient use of donor dollars, because 85 cents of every donation goes to program support, which is so important. Donors want to see an impact in our programs. And that's what we emphasize. And recently, Charity Navigator came up with a beacon score for leadership and, you know, really your ability to pivot like during the pandemic. And in all of those categories, we scored 100%. Most of our listeners and most of your clients have visual impairments. Do you? I am totally blind. Fortunately, I have a little bit of light perception and I can tell when it's a beautiful sunny day or when it is dark outside. Have you been blind most of your life? No, it happened later in life. In fact, I went to the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute when I was struggling a little bit with my vision. And when I learned I had a disease that would lead to total blindness, I called my mother, a nurse. I said, mother, I probably am going to go totally blind. My mother says, well, then I will just pray that you do big things for the blind. I said, mother, I don't even know any blind people. She said, I will pray and you will and you will help them. Well, good for you. And it sounds like you're certainly in a role to do that. Yes. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Virginia Jacko's advocacy work on behalf of the blind and visually impaired community with a special focus on web accessibility. Well, Virginia, I know you've done a lot of advocacy work for the blind and following up on your mother's advice. Give us a little history of how you got into some of these roles. I joined the board of directors of Miami Lighthouse when I was asked to become treasurer of the board. I called my daughter. I said, Julie, they want me to be treasurer. If I had my eyesight, I'd be the best treasurer they ever had. She said, mother, you've been going to Miami Lighthouse. You've been learning how to read spreadsheets, how to do emails. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody believe in you? And I've never forgotten her saying that because that motivated me to say, of course I will be treasurer. And one thing led to another. And I ultimately became the first totally blind president and CEO of Miami Lighthouse for the Blind. Well, congratulations. I take it by this time you had at least familiarized yourself with blind skills like using a screen reader, perhaps using a cane and things like that. Is that right? Yes, this took place after I completed my training, after I had a guide dog and when I was serving on the board, I was no longer a client. 
but still, even having acquired those skills, I guess it was somewhat daunting and you were a little bit reticent to say, can I really do this as a blind person? You really need to be in the position and experience the success in order to have complete confidence. When I came to Miami Lighthouse as a client, I had no idea how a blind person could use a computer. Frankly, I use a computer today better than my sighted colleagues. It's not a joke when I sometimes say to my CFO, um, there's something wrong with the balance sheet. Imagine a blind person telling the CFO there's something wrong with his balance sheet. But that's what I learned at Miami Lighthouse. How do you make a spreadsheet? How do you read a spreadsheet? Just one of the many things I learned. Right. We don't find that at all surprising. So I'm fully sighted. Pete's totally blind. And he's been using computers for a really long time since they were pretty young in their technology. And, you know, even when we had a switch to a Windows graphical operating system, his colleagues still asked him questions. How do I do this? How do I do that? And so helping people get jobs, we have to have accessible websites, accessible portals. And I believe if somebody has the training, and you'll agree with me, Peter, we can be outstanding employees. But the websites have to be accessible. And too often, the sighted community does not know what does that mean. And you've done a lot of work establishing accessibility of websites, and particularly in an intriguing subset of the political arena. Can you talk about some of those endeavors that you've spearheaded? The first presidential debates were held in Miami, and I went to the website of each candidate. Not a single website was accessible. Some candidates even talked about their commitment to people with disabilities. And which election was that? This was the 2020 presidential campaign. And the candidate's first debate was in Miami. Your hometown. My hometown right here. So I looked into who's the chief information officer for each of these candidates that was publicly available. And I wrote each one of them. And my opening sentence was, are you aware that you are missing out with about 30 million potential candidates that would vote for you, but you don't even have a toggle or a widget to change the font size, to change the color contrast, and much more? But I'll bet those were sure pretty websites <laughs> to sighted people. <laughs> You got that right. They were beautiful websites. And remember Yang, he was a technology guy. So Yang was the first to get in touch with me. Oh, you know, it's so tempting to forget about the primaries, but he was one of the candidates in the primaries. Yes. And that's what I'm referring to, the primaries. So the Biden campaign, they got in touch with us. We provided them what they needed to do. We actually copyrighted our scorecard with 10 different parameters 
that would make their websites accessible. And for the Biden campaign, not only did they implement those changes for their campaign on the day of inauguration, the New York Times featured whitehouse.gov and referred to the outcome that they had on whitehouse.gov based upon our recommendation. Remember, we said there were 30 million seniors affected by vision loss, and they needed to have a toggle where you could change the contrast, increase the font size, and that was the feature on Inauguration Day. Oh, how interesting. What a great success. So you were able to impact not just the candidates' websites, but once Joe Biden was elected, the official governmental website of the president of the United States. It became a priority for them. What a success story. Thank you. So you said Yang was the first to implement, and then Biden. Did the rest of them follow suit? What, what kind of success rate did you have? We heard from about half of the candidates. Well, you know, it's great that you made them aware of this, because I think in many cases, it's not that people are trying to be mean to people who are blind, but they don't even think about how inaccessible these websites are, how many issues blind folks might have navigating these websites. They just make pretty designs. It looks good and everybody's happy. But once you make them aware, I've found that people are usually pretty receptive to making some changes once they're aware of the issues. Peter, I'm working on that right now because we have a call center job training program and a major airline is wanting to hire our people. Our very first person is struggling with the instruction because the person has a computer in front of her and then there's a big monitor on the wall and the instructor is saying, you go right there and you click right there. Peter, we don't like that word there. I've seen that lots. What does there mean? You know, they need to say on the right hand side of your monitor, there is a box. And if you arrow down, it says, and that is where you click, right? You know, it reminds me of a professor I had in graduate school. I was taking a quantum mechanics class. And I always made my professors aware of my blindness ahead of time. And I said, look, you have to verbalize what you put on the board. And this quantum mechanics professor would often be writing stuff on the board and say, you take this expression here, you put that over there, and you stick this over here. And I'd raise my hand and say, what? And he just had no idea. You know, he just, that was his normal way of interacting with the blackboard. And the class would usually laugh and we'd usually work it out. But you do have to make people aware. It's up to us to stand up and make people knowledgeable of what we need. We're not being difficult. We just want to have the equal access of our sighted peers. And sometimes it's a pretty easy problem to fix. I know the professor had probably a couple of decades of experience teaching the way he was teaching. But, you know, how hard is it to remember to read the equations? out loud because there's a student in the room who needs that. My husband is a civil engineering professor at Purdue University. And during COVID, much of the instruction 
was, you know, remote learning. And I remember very clearly, there was a bridge, an image of a bridge. And I said to him, you have to have alternative text saying the description of that bridge, because you might just have a visually impaired person and they're not going to be able to know what that image is unless you have alternative text. Did he start implementing alternative text? Absolutely. He's very sensitive to it and reminds his colleagues of the same. Good. As we said, it is important to point these things out to people because most of the times it's just that they're not aware that it is an issue, but the fixes are quick. I'm never shy about telling developers of websites, if I see an inaccessible website or inaccessible applications, I'll write to the developers and the designers of these websites and tell them what the problems are. And hey, here's how you can fix this. And like I said, many times they're receptive. Sometimes they're not, but you do what you can. Which screen reading software are you using? So I've been using JAWS since the early 90s when it first came out. And he's submitted an awful lot of bug reports to the people at Freedom Scientific. And they've been very gracious, and they usually fix whatever he finds. But as you say, sometimes a blind person can be more facile with a computer. When I first learned Windows, all my colleagues were thinking, boy, how can Peter use an operating system that's based on pictures and icons and all. But it turns out, you know, I had to learn it even better than other people just because it wasn't very accessible at the time. So I learned all the keyboard shortcuts. I learned what was happening under the hood. And as Nancy said, eventually I was giving advice to my sighted peers how to use Windows. And you do it faster. Absolutely. When you use keyboard commands, you can be a lot more efficient about how you do your work. Well, and the funniest thing was every once in a while, the official tech support computer center personnel would be trying to help somebody fix something, and somehow they would get locked out of using the mouse, and they didn't know how to do anything without a mouse, and they'd call Pete, and it's like, Pete, the whole system's locked. I can't use the mouse. You have to get me out of this predicament, and he'd walk them through all the keyboard equivalents to be able to fix their problem. So Virginia, tell us about some of the other advocacy work that you've been involved in over the years. I worry about the early learners and that early learners get all of the training that they need so that by third grade, they can be mainstreamed into our school system. In order to do that, I had to create what we now call Miami Lighthouse Academy. We did it in collaboration with Miami-Dade schools. We follow their calendar, the same time period for the day. And it begins with children ages one, two, three, four in our preschool, pre-kindergarten and children in kindergarten, first grade and second grade. So we have Florida licensed classroom teachers and Florida licensed teachers of the visually impaired. And I am very proud to say that we also have cortical visual impairment, CVI, and that is whereby the child's retina, its visual 
uh, interpretation is a result of brain damage, but yet the eye is okay. Oh, interesting. And stimulating that child so that the brain says, oh, I do see that. And we had a child with cortical visual impairment that at three months, the mother noticed the child wasn't smiling at her. And she took the child to the doctor and the doctor said, your child has a cognitive disability. Your child will not be mainstreamed. Of course, that was a sad day for this mother. But when the child was two years old, he went to the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, which, by the way, Miami Lighthouse started back when Dr. Bascom Palmer was our chairman of the board in the 40s and 50s. But fast forward, that ophthalmologist said, have you thought of sending your child to the Miami Lighthouse Academy? And as a two-year-old, you would be in a regular preschool. She did that. This child learned Braille. Our specialists also worked to get the brain to be stimulated. Don't use, you know, a piece of white paper with black letters. Use bright letters. You know, make the letters, move the letters around. Get the brain to say, aha, I see that's the letter A. Well, that child who was a Braille reader is in our second grade. And he is reading large print at grade level, ready to be promoted to third grade and to be mainstreamed into his community school. Oh, that is so great. You know, it's very important to pick up these issues as early as you can in a child's development. I remember our son, he's fully sighted, but we thought it was taking him a long time to read. Turned out the day he got glasses was the day he read. And we're very conscious of eye issues. We had been taking him back and forth to the doctor, but they never tested for that. They tested for possible glaucoma, which is what I was born with. You know, we also have to worry about our seniors because they don't get some of the training that our children are getting in our academy. And so we need seniors to be able to be independent to be able to get the devices, like we have a website, it's lighthouseshop.org, where there are so many devices. People say to me, how do you know what you're wearing? Well, I use a color identifier. Then I know what I'm wearing, or you can determine what you want to wear with what. So there are so many devices, the new OrCam reader, which actually reads print text on a sheet of paper. So seniors need to know about devices and how to use the devices, how to keep their independent living skills. And I think too often seniors are not aware of these types of services or they're afraid and they don't want to get the training that they should get to be continuing their independence. Well, you know, you are not the first person we've spoken with who said that when you lost your vision, you hadn't even met another blind person before that. And, you know, Pete, because he always had visual issues and went to a school for the blind in grade school, he was always plugged into what are the adaptive aids? Oh, yeah, if I get the right one, it can help me do what I want to do. But people who lose their vision as adults, 
they're not plugged in. They don't know where to begin. And it can sometimes take them years to even find their local equivalent of the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind. You are so correct. So correct. And I guess the other area that I'm an advocate for is employing people with a vision disability. I was recently listening to a program in a very major financial institution had one of their people speaking. And he said with the shortage of people for our types of jobs, we're hiring people with a disability. We've hired someone that was bipolar. We've hired people that have dyslexia. He never said, and we've hired people with a vision disability. And that was so disappointing. And he will be hearing from me because I need to educate him that your company, your financial institution should be hiring people with a vision disability. Well, Virginia, keep up the good work and we appreciate all the advocacy work you've been doing and you continue to do. Peter, thank you very much, Nancy. This was an opportunity and I hope that this is not the first and only interview. Let's stay connected. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Virginia Jacko's advocacy work, about the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind, and how to contact both the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and specifically Virginia. Virginia, if people want to learn more about the Miami Lighthouse or be able to contact you, how would they go about that? So our website, Miami Lighthouse, all one word, dot org, O-R-G. That's our website. My phone, 786-897-7700. And you mentioned your website where you have a shop where people can look for devices and resources that will help them in their daily lives. Can you remind us of that again? Yes. Lighthouseshop.org. L-I-G-H-T-H-O-U-S-E-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. Do you have a social media presence? Uh, Very much so. I'd like to do LinkedIn. I do a lot of LinkedIn. And that's under your name or under the Miami Lighthouse? Well, we have a Miami Lighthouse LinkedIn too, but I also have a LinkedIn under my own name. And as usual, you'll find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. Those show notes, we hope, are a valuable complement to the show itself because it's an easy way of finding all the information that you may not have caught in the audio. You go to the show notes, and there are also additional resources there. You can just click on links and go to directly where you want to go. So I hope our listeners are making use of those show notes. That's it for show number 2216. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be doing an encore presentation of an episode with an audiobook narrator. You've probably heard her voice on a talking book from the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Martha Harmon Pardee has narrated over 3,000 books for that service. 
We'll talk with her about the process of recording audiobooks, notable moments in her career, and what else she does as a professional voice artist. If you thought being a voiceover actor was all you could do with your voice, listen to that show. There's a whole lot more. So we hope you'll join us next week for that episode. It's always fun to learn a little bit more about the personalities of the people who read the books to us. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.